0: Amen. All right. Second Peter chapter two, the brother Lonnie just read there is a great chapter. Of course, all the chapters in the Bible are great. It's also the one I had in my notes, and I told brother Lonnie to read, but it was the wrong chapter. It's actually Second Peter three. All right. Not your fault. That's what I told you. It's what's in my notes. But I was looking at the verse, and I was like, that's not what I'm talking about tonight. So uh, yeah, Second Peter chapter three. All right. And we're just going to read. Uh, we're going to read a couple of verses to you here. Not brother Lonnie's fault. That was all. That was all me. But it says right here, it says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. One of the things that we see in the Bible is that before Jesus Christ returns, there's some things that are going to happen first. A lot of people try to tell you the Bible teaches an imminent rapture, which is foolish, the Bible taught very clearly that there were some things that were going to happen first and that it was going to be a very long time before Jesus returned, so long to the point that many people were going to start doubting that He was even coming back. The Bible says that that was what was going to happen. And it said that there was going to be scoffers. They were going to walk after their own lust. They were going to change things. And something interesting I was just looking at this week, I was looking at some of the demographics and things of this area, And I was comparing them to 1980. And in 1980, in Whiteside County, the percentage of people who claimed no religious affiliation in Whiteside County was only 8.6% of the people. That was in 1980. In 2010, the average jumped up to 40%. That's a big jump right there. That claimed no religious affiliation... And that's just that's in 30 years, okay. And think about this. To me, what's just mind-boggling about this number is back in just 1980, you know, the religions, a lot of the different religions, some of them, you know, weren't that bad. Where today, now most religions don't even resemble Christianity. So when you think about the fact that the, I mean, there's been an over 30 percent jump in people who claim no religious affiliation. While in 30 years, most religions don't even resemble what they were 30 years ago. I mean, that really shows just how far gone we are. And I don't think this is unique just to our area. I think it's like this all over the country. I think mean, it's clearly like this all over the world. It's a lot worse than this in, in Europe. I mean, the percentages of people that claim no religious affiliation at all. I mean, the numbers are scary. And many Baptists today, one of the things that they like to do is, they like to blame this mass exodus from religion on us just being in the last days and it being the Laodicean church age. How many have ever heard that before? We're just in the Laodicean church age. But amen. That's right before Revelation 4.1, and that's right before the rapture of the church. And so we're supposed to get excited about this. We're supposed to get excited that our churches are lame and dead and lukewarm and that nobody, you know, nobody cares about anything. But that's just foolish. But, in there, but there, there's a reason these things are happening. These things happen for a reason. And the Bible makes it clear what would cause these things. I want us to look tonight at why we have this mass exodus from religion. Because it's, uh, you know, while there's many reasons, and the Bible gives those reasons, I want us to focus on this because I believe we're supposed to be trying to stop it. And just because something's happening, just because the Bible prophesied that it was going to get that way in the world, it doesn't mean it has to happen to us. When we look at Revelations chapter 2 and 3 and Jesus is rebuking almost all of the churches for things that they had done wrong, one of the things you'll see Jesus say in there is to him that overcome it. Meaning, hey, just because, you know, even if the church age thing was a reality, which it's not, but even if it was, just because we're in, we were in the Laodicean in church age, does that mean we have to be a late to in church? No. He says in all those, to him that overcometh. We can overcome these things. We don't have to be this way. And so, I want us to look at especially at what churches have done to fail, or how churches have failed in trying to stop these things. Just because something's happening in most of the world, in most of Christianity, it doesn't mean it has to happen to us. And these verses, they're not there. You know, God didn't tell us these things were coming, so we could just throw up our hands and say, well, there's nothing we can do to stop it. No, He's trying to warn us that some of us can overcome these things. And so we can be victorious even when all these things are going on. Things have gone downhill fast. And if you want to find out what's wrong, all you have to do is look at what a majority of churches are doing today. What a majority of the churches are doing is not right. And it turns out what a majority of churches today are doing are exactly what the Bible has told us not to do. And what the Bible says was going to happen in churches. And what was going to come. And we've got to make sure we're not a part of it. I mean, 30 years, things have changed greatly in this area. One day when we were, clean, we were doing some kind of project here at the church, I don't remember, and up in the thing there in the ceiling, I found a paper airplane of a bulletin from this church. I don't know I don't know what kind of church this was. It was like in the early 80s. All right? in, in the early 80s. And I was looking in that bulletin, and I was looking at the offerings that was coming in here. And I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, how did they have this much money coming in in the early 1980s in a building this small? I mean, this church never could have been a massive church. But I'm thinking, good night. Those people must have been serious about their religion in the early 80s. You know, and I don't even know what kind of religion it was. But yet today, we're seeing churches are closing down left and right because there's, there's no money coming in. People don't care. People, they're just not interested in the things of God. And a lot of pastors would like to sit back and blame it. Well, the people are just being cheapskates. Or all, we'll blame the economy or something like that. That's why churches can't keep their doors open. But that's not the case. That is not the case. Whatever is going on in our world, in our country, whatever, we ought to be able to overcome those things. Okay, Our area, our own town, it has its issues. Okay? But God has called us here as a church and we ought to be able to overcome those things. So let's turn over to John chapter 2 and verse 13. The first thing I think that's happened in churches, that churches have done, that churches have done that is, is destroying churches and causing people to eventually just get out of religion altogether. And, just get, and to get out of church. And Baptists are no exception to this. John 2.13 says, When the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and He found in the temple those that sold, sold oxen and sheep and doves, and the changers of money sitting. And when He had made a scourge of small cords, He drove them all out of the temple, and the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the changers' money, and overthrew the tables, and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence, make not My Father's house, and a house of merchandise. I believe one of the things that is destroying churches is churches have stopped being churches. And they've become social clubs. They have become social clubs, many times high-end social clubs. There's churches here in town I've heard of that you've got to be if you're gonna be a member of that church, you have to be willing to donate, I think it's like five thousand dollars a year to the church. Okay, now, I believe people ought to tithe, but what if they're not making fifty thousand dollars a year? You're gonna you're really gonna put that kind of requirement, that kind of stipulation on there? That sounds more like a social club, okay? If you want to join some local club, a lot of times they put financial requirements on it like that. And they do that because they want to keep the riffraff out. You know, if you're, if you're, if you're one of these rich snooty people and you want to join some social club where you can go and you can mingle with the hoi polloi and you can go and, uh, you know, have all the nice places and nice, you know, swimming pools and golf courses and all those things, you know, you're going to go and you're going to spend a lot of money. So you don't have to be surrounded by the riffraff. Why would we do that in church? Why would we do that? Why would we want to exclude people that don't have a lot of money? You know what? If there are brothers and sisters in Christ, who cares how much money they have? That's not why we're here, but that's what churches have become. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9. Turn over there. 1 Timothy 6 9. It's all about the money in a lot of these places. It says, But they that that will be rich fall into temptation and the snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. When it becomes about money, when money becomes the focal point in the church, it's going to open us up to some great temptations. And it says, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, how would money make us veer from the faith? How would it make us turn from the faith? Well, that's very simple. If all of a sudden the focal point around here becomes money, now I'm going to be scared about what I preach. Hey, I don't want to offend Mr. Moneybags. You know, I'm going to back off on that. I'm not going to preach hard on this subject. Hey, we've got this family in the church that gives a lot of money. You know, and there's fornication going on in that family. Well, we can't throw them out of the church. If we do that, we're going to lose money. And you know what? They're well-connected with all these other people in the church and they're going to leave the church with them. And they're going to go to the trash can church unless anybody come in. And then all of a sudden now, what are we going to do financially? And now, I'm erring from the faith. I'm not preaching the whole truth and nothing but the truth. I'm, I'm trimming the message... In order to keep the money in the church, and to keep the people in the church, and instead of as a pastor and being an overseer and realizing that Jesus Christ is the head of this church, I'm going to start now trying to gear our service in a way and preach a message that's all about just keeping the people here. I got to make sure we keep the right kind of people here, that so we got, to, but we keep the money coming in and we keep the money flowing, and if I uh, otherwise we're going to be in big trouble. And listen, if this is going to become a social club, you know what ends up becoming the focal point? And one of the ways you can tell when the church has become a focal club. we have got Beelzebub up here again, messing with me tonight. It becomes all about the buildings anymore. It's all about the buildings. That's the way it is in a lot of churches today. It's always about this you know, building buildings and putting this new edition on and doing that. And you know, we gotta we gotta build this community building and we gotta build this and build that. Why are we doing these things? Well, because we got to find a way to keep church fun. Because people are not just interested in coming and listening to the truth. Listening to the preaching of the Word of God. We've got to find a way to make teenagers interested in church. So we got to get the sports and we've got to get all these other things in there. Well, if we're going to be able to do all these things, we're going to have to build buildings. That's going to cost a lot of money. And now, all of a sudden, we find ourselves in debt. Building things that I mean, where do we see in the Bible we have to have the sports programs and the junior churches and the Sunday school classes and all these other things that cost a ton of money? And ultimately end up just creating situations where we've got there's all this politics going on in the church. Where there's, I mean, many of the things that cause church splits have nothing to do with what the Bible taught a church to be all about. But yet they become the focal point of the church. And it ends up hurting big time. And so when it becomes all about the building, the side effect of that is now we have major bills. We've got all these bills we've got to pay because we've got to make sure we have a good testimony in the community. We've got to make sure we're able to pay that massive mortgage and all these credit card bills and all these things. And now we're always worrying about money. Now the preaching's always about money. Now every Sunday, 10 minutes of the service has got to be the pastor preaching a little sermon out about giving before every offering. You know, I don't want... I just... I don't want to be doing that all the time. I don't want to be just getting up and begging all the time. Alright, obviously we have bills and things and we need you know the money coming in, but I just don't feel like begging all the time. I don't want to do that, but many churches do it. I mean, there's always fundraisers and all these things that they're trying to do just because we got to bring the money in and a side effect of that is water down preaching so they won't lose the money. It's happening all the time. And while the intentions were good originally that many pastors had. Hey, we've got to find a way to keep our kids off the streets. Well, how about parents take care of their kids? How about parents keep their kids in their town? Oh, well, you know, it's boring at home. You know what? Yeah, maybe with only one or two kids. But, you know, when you've got a big family, there's ways you can have fun. Obviously, it costs a little more money. You know, your kids, you know, it's like, oh, who are my kids going to play with? It's called brothers and sisters. All right, they did that for thousands of years. But, you know, now parents can't do that you know now we we only can have one kid because how are we going to afford to give them all these things that all the tv commercials tell us we're supposed to give our kids and then you know junior he grows he's growing up becomes a teenager he gets bored being at home alone all the time while mom and dad are working all day he needs something to do so he's getting involved in all these other things with lost kids well pastors in the church saw that hey we got to we got to pull these kids out of the public school. We got to give them something fun to do in the church. So they're building these buildings, they're starting these Christian schools that become massive financial drains. Massive financial drains. Talked to one pastor one time the first year after they started their Christian school that they charged a lot of money for, that that school itself was thirty grand in the hole. And a school that they charged for. Something's wrong with that business model right there. And you know the church ends up covering it thirty grand that they ended up spending on that. Or that they were in the hole. Not that they spent, that they were in the hole that they came short on. That's not good. So the intentions are good. I understand wanting to get your kids out of the public school. I get that. But why not homeschool? It doesn't cost the church any money. Cost the parents some money. <laughs> it doesn't cost the church any money. there's nothing you know so they're thinking on one hand, was right, but they, just, they didn't follow a biblical model. And so the problem is the church ended up stepping outside its area of authority. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 11.3. Now, this this verse would get me in trouble reading this in a lot of old IFP churches. But it says, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. That's funny. I don't see the pastor in that line. Where, where, where's the pastor at? I've heard preachers say that the pastor is the head of... You know, it's like children, parent, you know, wife, husband, pastor. Sorry, the family structure and the church structure are two different structures. In your home, I do not have a place of authority. Alright? I can have a place of counsel. I can be an example, but I have no place of authority. And he says here that the head of every man is Christ. That's what the Bible teaches And here's what happens. What's happening in these churches that have the Christian schools is all right. We want to have Christian schools to get our kids away from all the worldliness. So what? What are we going to do? Well, now we've got people, you know, kids in the Christian school that a lot of times are very worldly. Well, that defeats the purpose of pulling these kids out of the public school. So what do they do? They start enforcing rules in the homes of these families. They start Telling the people in the homes, this is how you have to dress. You can't go here. You can't do that. And listen, these are good rules. I mean, you know, they're, it's good to have for us to have standards as a family. It's good for families to not go certain places and not watch certain things. But whose job is it to set those things up? It's the husband's job. It's the father's job. It's not the pastor's job. It's not the church's job to start enforcing all these things. And it ends up creating a lot of problems. Now, we're teaching everybody in the church to be phony. You've got these families that they never followed these rules. They never had any dress standards or anything like that. But all of a sudden, we want our kids to go to school. So now they're telling all their girls, you can't wear this anymore. Boys, you can't wear this anymore. Why? You know, I understand at school, but why can't we do it at home? We're not allowed to. And so they do. They put on this Christian costume... They're living a lie. They don't believe it. And then everybody wonders why these kids, they graduate from high school and all of a sudden now they don't want to have anything to do with the things of God. They don't want to have anything to do with church. You know, because like, it was never real to them. They were being a fake their entire life. And they, they're, they, they're turned off to those things. They weren't doing it because they love God. They weren't, they weren't even doing it because the pastor you know just got up and was preaching on it. In many of these churches where they have Christian schools, where they enforce all these dress standards, the pastor doesn't get up and preach on these things. He doesn't get up and just lay it out and tell it like it is because that same pastor is scared of offending all the other people who are financially contributing members who don't have their kids in the schools and so therefore they're not following those rules. And so what we do, we just we have phoniness and we've got hypocrites all over the church. And in, the, in many cases... The people that are following all the rules, they're actually the ones being fake. They're the ones that actually end up getting, getting completely away from things of God. While the other people, the more liberal ones in the church, lots, sometimes their kids turn out okay. Because while they didn't have all the rules and everything, at least they weren't being fake their entire life. And they're not as you know, disheartened to the things of God. And so with, we, the church never has any right to step outside It's the area of authority, but they've done it in many cases, especially in Baptist churches, and it has hurt my generation big time. People that are my age, a little younger, I mean, they are just exiting the churches like crazy, and the pastors are like, what What went wrong? I don't understand. We had these kids in Sunday school classes. We had this program. We had the Christian schools. We had sports programs. They were never around the world. They never did it. You know, we, we had all these rules. They dressed right. They did all these things. And yet, they don't want to have anything to do with church as soon as they graduate from high school. Where did we go wrong? You know where you went wrong? You stepped outside your area of authority. That was never the church's job to enforce all those things. That was the Father's job. And you know what? Nobody can do the job of a parent better than the parents themselves. No daycare is going to be able to straighten your kids out. Mom and dad can straighten your kids out. And you know what? No Christian school is going to be able to straighten your kids out. That is up to mom and dad to do those things. And you know what? I might be the greatest pastor in the world, but you know what? I cannot raise your kids. I can't do it. I don't want to try. All right? I want to try to help you however I can. I want to preach the truth. But at the end of the day, it better be mommy and daddy's decision And now, well, Pastor, you know, we're going to do this because Pastor Tommy says, if you do that, they're going to grow up hating me, and they're not going to want to ever come to this church again. As soon as they're able to leave, they're going to get out, and they're never going to come back. And we're seeing that happen all the time. There's churches are making decisions that are not there to make. In many cases, these kids they never have any good, you know, genuine, real examples in the church people. They dress right because they love the Lord. They dress right because they believe the Bible. They just they want to do it. And not only do they want to do it, they love doing it. Not only do they love doing it, they understand the benefits of being obedient to the Word of God. And it turns out many these are usually the happiest people in the church. But I've seen it before too, especially in a lot of these churches that have the you know, that really push the Christian school. A lot of times they're hostile to the homeschoolers. They don't, they're, they don't, they don't, they, because they need, they, they'll see this family come in, and they've got all these kids, and they come walking in the church, oh, this thing, thing cha-ching, 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 you know, that'll, we get, we get, they're counting up the kids, oh man, that would increase our monthly enrollment, you know, by this much, oh, you know, that, well, we got to get these, you know, they're all excited, and then the parents go, oh, we homeschool our kids. <laughs> I guess the best we're going to get out of these people is the tithe. You know, we got to figure out how to get them in there. You know, let's do all these fun things and let's leave out the homeschoolers. You know, and thankfully, we had a Christian school at my dad's church. They were never like that. They always included the homeschoolers in everything. And you know, I'm glad we at least did that. They were always very homeschool friendly. But it was not the case in many of the churches we associated with. When they had, we had the sports program over there, we let the homeschoolers play on the teams too. And some of the tournaments and things we went to, they originally had rules that homeschoolers were not allowed to play in the tournaments. It was just for the Christian schools, and many of them they changed that rule because they wanted my dad's church to be able to come to those tournaments and things. You know, and I don't know if they're still doing that or not, but you know, it, it was thankfully it was never like that uh, at the church we were from. But it was like that in a lot of churches we associated with, and they didn't they didn't like the homeschoolers. And you know, we need to focus on having a you know the, or, you know, the focus. For these pastors was a strong church, which sounds good. But the problem is they had weak families, and the truth is, if you have weak families, you're going to have a weak church. We need to encourage. We need to try to build strong families. If we have strong families, we'll have a strong church. That's the way it works. That's the way it's supposed to go. But it all became it. They, they've just turned into social clubs. You know, in many cases, I mean, I've seen it before, where parents complain. Because they don't have any time for their children because their children have so many activities in the church that many times they're required to go to because they're in the Christian school. The Christian school, and especially Bible college, churches that have Bible colleges, that's the only way they can get their people to do anything. Well, I know we're supposed to have soul winning in the church. Nobody wants to come for soul winning. If you're going to be in the Christian school, you have to go soul winning. If you're going to be in the Bible college, you have to go soul winning. Hey, you ought to go soul winning. But do we really want to have to twist people's arms like that? Are they going to be doing it for the right reason? Are they really going to be trying when they're out there? No, you know what they're going to do? They're going to discourage the people that are doing it for the right reason. That's what is happening. And once again, pastors today, they're pulling their hair out, trying to figure out where did we go wrong? And, in the, and instead of saying, what do we need? You know, we, maybe we should get rid of some of those things, these things. They're like, well, we've we got to add to it. I guess we need more rules. I guess we need more programs. I guess we need to get these kids out of their houses even more. No, why don't you actually start teaching the parents to raise their kids and to train their kids? And why don't you actually start these things that you have to force on people? Why don't you get up and preach it from the Bible? Show them from the Scriptures why you have to do these things. And maybe, just maybe, all of a sudden people start doing it because they love the Lord and because they've been convinced that it's the right thing to do and not because it's what they have to do. That is, and I believe that is a big reason for the exodus in church, especially amongst Baptist churches. But then a second reason, I think, is leaven in the doctrine. Turn over to 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. Look what it says here. It says, Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. In many churches today, there is no unity in doctrine because so much false doctrine is being spread. Okay? Look what it says there. It says a time is going to come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Okay? Now, in a church like ours, where pretty much all the teaching that you're hearing is coming from me, okay? if you don't like it, you know you know pretty much the only way out of it is to hit the door all right that's pretty much it but here's what happens in a lot of these other churches and I, I, we've had some of these people come through here before they want to come to this church and a lot of times they want a position and many times they want they you know they want a class there you know people there's people that are out there and i'm going to tell you in a minute one thing the internet has helped with churches all right there's one thing in particular but there's people out there they just have a desire to draw disciples after them. They don't have the desire or the money or the you know what it takes to go start a church. So what they often do, they come into a church and they want to get disciples in the church. So you know where they, would, they often do it? It's Sunday school classes. They do it in Sunday school classes. That, and that's their place where they can go and they've got their people where they can teach their junk. And you know how common it is and how often it's happened... Where false doctrine that has crept into churches, that has split churches, you know where it started? It started in a Sunday school class. Okay? Not, you know, not necessarily the class of the little kids. It started in a Sunday school class, maybe in a young adult's class or whatever, where you had some person, they came into the church and they had an agenda. They had their thing that they were all into, that the rest of the church wasn't into, and now, we, you know, and some of these bigger churches especially, you know, they'll have 20, 30 different Sunday school classes. They've got 20 30 different people teaching stuff in the church and a lot of times teaching 20 and 30 different things and it ends up creating a lot of confusion it's often how a lot of false doctrine is brought into a church and the thing is the Bible makes it clear that these people who are teaching this stuff you know they're, they're the things they're teaching it's from their own lust and there there's people that have hobby horses that come into churches and a lot and they You know, and sometimes too, there are people that they'll come into a church, maybe one like ours. We had some people visit one time just because we were post trip. Turned out, they didn't believe in hardly anything else that we believe. You know, they weren't King James, they weren't a whole bunch of other things, but we were post trip. Well, here's the problem with that I don't preach on that every week, you know? And I do preach on a lot of these other things you don't agree with a lot. And it's like, you know they wanted to come because they like that, but many times it's people like them. They'll come for the one thing that they like, but there's 20 other things they don't like. And so they'll have their class. A lot of times they're the ones that are seeking a class, seeking a group that they can teach, and they start sneaking in all that other junk. This happens all the time. In churches. This is one of the reasons we're not going to start doing all these classes and things. It's just, it's not necessary. It ends up just causing division in the church. It's a way people can sneak in false doctrine. As a pastor, I don't know, I'm not going to know what all these people are teaching. I'm not going to know what's going on. You know what? I'm going to find out about it. When I find out, we've got five families in the church believing some crazy doctrine. That's what I'll find out about it. By then, it's too late. By then, they've already been infected. They've already been drawn away by these things, and now we've got a church split in our hands. And some people today that come into these church, they're just desperate for an audience. And this is what the internet has helped. Okay? Today, if you're a weirdo, if you're a goofball, if you've got some whacked out doctrine that you believe that hardly any that almost nobody else in town believes, literally nobody else in town believes it, because of the internet, you can always find a group of people. You know, every... Because it's like there's always... You know, every village has a village idiot, right? Well, a village idiot's never going to succeed in starting a church and getting a following. But the thing is, he can go and he can, you know, start a YouTube channel or a Facebook group. And then he can get all the village idiots from all the villages from around the world to be a part of that group. And, you know, now he's got several followers. But the thing is, in one local community, they could never get anybody. But, you know, they often will try... And so the thing is, back in the day, if you were going to go and you were going to get an audience, you know where you had to go? You had to go to church. You had to go where there was assembly. You had to go where there was people that would actually gather around and had a practice of gathering around and talking about the Bible. The only place you would find that was in church. But now, you can find them online. I mean, you make up a doctrine. Right now, you make up a doctrine. And you'll be able to find people in the online world. You'll be able to get a following online. It's not that hard. But, and so I I think that's because people can do that now. A lot of these people are staying out of churches. And, you know, you got the Brian Denlingers out there. Who, he got started in church. He used to go to churches. He used to preach stuff in church. But then, he figured out, you know what, I can just do stuff online. And he got a big, you know, he's got a decent size online following. You know why? Because every town has a nutcase in it. And there are thousands and thousands of towns, and so these people will find his YouTube channel. But a weirdo like Brian Denlinger, he would never be able to go to one community and just start a church or get a following from there. He could go infiltrate a church somewhere and you know maybe split that church. But thankfully, the Internet is where a lot of these people are going to now, and they're staying out of churches. But the truth is, if churches were biblical, if they were set up the way God said they should be set up, it wouldn't work for them anyway. But because we've created these social clubs where we've got all these different focus groups and you know Sunday school classes and life groups and all these things, it's the perfect place for somebody to come who wants to just gather a following. All some guy's got to do to get a Sunday school class in most church, all he's got to do, look sharp, wear a suit, come in, look in the part, dropping in some money in the offering plate, and just volunteer. And churches are desperate for volunteers. It's these classes. We've got all these rooms all over the place that we need to fill, but we need teachers. They, they never have teachers. And so it's always the false prophet that comes in. He'll be the first one to volunteer. And he knows exactly how he's supposed to look, talk, and act. And these people are bringing false doctrine into churches. And, I, and I've, seen it, I've seen it firsthand. Over the years where people have done that and it's it's a lot of wickedness. It's a lot of foolishness, you know And so the church used to be the best place to find that following now Thankfully, there's the internet. Let's keep them all out there You know, let them stay in cyberspace with all the other weirdos that are out there. Let's keep them out of the church but a church that has all the teaching in the main assembly with everyone together Is not going to have that problem. You know why because an infiltrator is not going to get up and spew heresy in front of the pastor. He's going to go find somebody that looks weak in the faith in the church and he's going to go after them. That's what he's going to do. And then try to build on that. He's not going to do it in front of the pastor in many cases. So I think the way we do it here is the way it ought to be done. It's what the Bible teaches. It's a way to keep leaven out of the doctrine. And many churches, Sunday school classes, are being taught by people... Who have no business teaching doctrine. Look what it says in uh, 3 John, uh, verse 9. It says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. We had a guy, this guy Diotrephes. He just wanted to be important. Okay, he wanted to try to move up the ranks. And so what did he? Do? He wanted to have that preeminence. And so what does he do? He's trying to create this hierarchy in the church. He's saying who can come in. He's saying who needs to get thrown out. Why? What was his motivation? His motivation was himself and getting his own little following. And this, the same thing happens in churches all the time. You'll have it. Where it's like, I mean, even women many times, they'll come into church and they do—they just want—they come in just hoping to have their little group where they can feel important. Even if it's just a Sunday school class with little kids. You know, just give me a room. Get, you know, pay for my supplies. You know, give me that audience. Bring it in. I'm not going to go out and work for it or anything like that. Bring in that audience. And you know what? A lot of times they teach garbage. They teach foolishness. In many cases, they teach nothing. It's just a big candy fest a lot of times in these Sunday school classes. And that's why the kids love it so much. Where they go and they learn stupid songs that don't even have anything to do with Christianity. You know, songs like The Littlest Worm and uh, what were some of the other you know, weird songs that are out there? You know, My Name is Joe and I Work in a Button Factory. You know, things like, they, they, all those stupid songs. Yeah, these things they happen in church, in Sunday school classes, in junior church. And often it's morons that are doing these things. People that have no business teaching classes. And let me tell you something: if a pastor ever finds out it's going on, and he goes and he takes the Sunday school class away from one of these women, that family's gone. And you know what? You do you scorn one of these women like that? They ain't going by themselves. They're not going by themselves. They're going to start causing trouble. They're going to start bad mouthing. It's what they do. And these are wicked people. And you know what? Churches like ours, though, and I said I've seen it. They come in, and you know what they find out? I haven't got a chance here. I haven't got a chance to do these things. This church is not patterned after your typical church today, and that's for a reason. One, it's not what we see in the Bible, and two, what we're seeing in churches today does not work, and it's it causes problems. And because you know, there's many people today too. So they have no business teaching Sunday school class. They want to teach a Sunday school class, but they'll never go soul winning. They're not going to go out and knock doors, try to get people saved. They're not going to go out there and try to reach people and bring them into the church. What do they want? They want to come and they want to plop their carcass in a chair in a room that the church has provided for them. And they want the church to bring people to them. Me as the pastor, I'm supposed to be the one recruiting everybody. And I've got to bring people in. I've got to try to give them a classroom. And then they want to go run their mouth to the pastor and complain to the pastor and be all discouraged. Oh, there's only two people in my class. What am I supposed to do? It's your class. Why don't you go out and recruit somebody? Why don't you go out and win some people to the Lord? They don't even want to do anything. All they want is an audience that is just handed to them. In a room that is handed to them. And churches today, they're building all these buildings, paying all this money, so they can hand something to somebody who's not going to do any work and just end up complaining and at best, probably just bring leaven into the church. We, you know, churches really need to start rethinking some of this stuff. Many people, they do they, they want the church to supply them with these things, but they're not even going to give. Hey, I want to order this material and that material and I, want to, I, want, I need the church to pay for all these things. You know, they'll go and they'll buy all this junk for the church. They'll go buy all this candy. They'll buy, buy all this craft stuff. And what do they do? They want to bring their receipts to the pastor and have the church reimburse them. And these people don't even get. Oh, but because we're giving our time, know if, you know, the church owes us all this stuff. Really? You know, so now we, you know, we've got to fund you, know, you contributing to these kids' diabetes and stuff with all the sugar you're giving them and all their your lame little trinkets. You're going to spend all that money so they can go put all these little things together that's going to go right into their trash can when they get home. Right to the trash can. And the church is, I mean, the churches are spending a fortune on these things. But you know, here's the thing. So these people, they have no business. Said, so, okay, fine. If you want to have a Sunday school class, have people that, you know, are soul winners, people that are sold out, people that are real Christians. Let them do it. But here's the problem. And there's churches out there that do enforce that. If you're going to be a Sunday school teacher, you, got, you have to be a soul winner. If you're going to be a Sunday school teacher, you've got to dress a certain way. You've got to act a certain way. You can't do this. You can't do that. And guess what everybody calls those churches? They call them all cults. They call them all legalists. Because they actually uh, enforce those things. But you know what? So in the end, it's, just, it's, a, it's a bad system that doesn't work. Many people in churches say they're only giving. They're all, and, and a lot of these Christian schools, too, they keep track. If you don't tithe, all right, your kids, if, you're, if you don't tithe and pay tuition, your kids are out of the school. Oh, really? I thought the Christian school was the ministry of the church. I thought my tithe went to that. No, it's tithe and tuition. Oh, so now we're a business. That's what, that's what we are now. That's what we're teaching. Now we're promoting. So if you all do a crummy job, can I sue you now? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just ridiculous some of the stuff that's going on. It doesn't work. But many of these people, church people today, the only reason they give. It's because they have to. The only reason that the men are dressing like men and the women are dressing like women, the only reason they show up on Sunday night for Sunday night church and Wednesday Night Church and for revival meetings and all these things, the only reason they even go phoning is so they can teach their class. That's it. It's the only reason they're even doing it. If they didn't have that class, they wouldn't be doing any of these other things. That's not supposed to be the motivation. If the only reason you're doing all these things is so you can have your class so you can feel good about yourself and feel like you work in the ministry without being a soul winner, then you know what? You're a hypocrite. That's it. That's all there is to it. You know, and is it too much for a pastor to expect that the people in his church be the real deal? I mean, is a pastor being a dictator if he just expects that, hey, if you're going to be in leadership in the church, that you look and act like a Christian? You know, it's sad that they even have to enforce it. It ought to just be automatic. They shouldn't need to have a, a handbook. They shouldn't have to have these people sign something. You know what? I, I refuse to just make people signing stuff in this church. You know, I, it's just uh, the la- we, don't, we don't need to like, tie ourselves down with a bunch of legal stuff. Okay? Especially when we as a church are not supposed to go to court against each other. So if we're not supposed to do that, why would I have you signing all these things? And there's churches that do that if their kids are going to go into Christian schools, they make them sign something saying they're not going to go to movie theaters, and they're not going to dress this way, and they're, not going to, you know, and they're going to give this much money and do all this. If they make them sign these things. Why? Are you going to take them to court if they don't do these things? Something's wrong here. Right, you, know, you know what's wrong? The church is getting involved in areas God never intended for them to be involved in. That's what's wrong. And so, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. So, we've got leaven in the doctrine. That's one of the reasons people are leaving church. People are disgusted by it, especially ones that are the real deal. 1 Corinthians 5, 9. So, we see also there's leaven in the congregation. He said, "...I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters. For then must ye needs go out of the world." But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or adulterer, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner. With such an one know not to eat. For what have I do to judge them also without? Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that are without, God judges. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. Alright, You'll see this. See, so this is really harsh here. But you notice in here. You know, it's okay if I want to go out and I want to have dinner or I want to uh, have some sort of fellowship with one of these people that are lost. It's okay. A lot of times we're trying to win these people, we're trying to be a testimony to these people. But the Bible makes it very clear any man that's called a brother, if he's doing any of these things, the Bible says not to have fellowship with them. They're not supposed to be a part of the church, yet churches today are full of these people. They are full of them. Okay? And it says in another passage, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And that's talking about not just doctrine there, but talking about people. The wrong kind of people being in the church. And many churches, they are full of lost people. And he's like, well, why would lost people want to go to church? Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's the coffee. Maybe it's the fun and games. Maybe, you know, all these little things that you do to. To make your church more community friendly, to make it more appealing to the world, I don't know, maybe it's the rock concert they're doing. A lot of people pay a lot of money to go to a rock concert. You can go to one in church for free. You know, maybe it's a little, you know, plays and productions and things that these churches put on. Some churches put on a pretty good show. But you know what? It's not being the church. It's not what the Bible says to do. And then they wonder why. They're having all the problems why there's so much immorality. You know why? Because your church is full of leaven. It's full of lost people. you got all these lost people in your church. And what are they doing? They're having a negative effect on the people that are saved. On many of the young people in the church. And the Bible has commanded us to keep these people out. Not because we hate them, but because the little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. And so many people in churches, or many churches are full of people living in sin and because these people, these people had no business being in the church in the first place, and they end up infecting other people. And so if you want to know why a church discipline isn't enforced, you know, why, why won't churches enforce church discipline? See First Timothy 6, 9 through 12, for the love of money. While some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. What, what happened? Man, we can't throw these people out. It will have a negative impact. What are they saying? They've already leavened somebody else. Anybody that is in here that would get offended and leave this church because we threw out a fornicator, it just shows that that fornicator already infected you. If you were, and that's why you got to pound some this stuff quick before that happens. And so, uh, you know, we've we've got to enforce these things. We can't let money be a deciding factor. But all these things, they all kind of go together. It, it's a vicious cycle that all these churches are in. If you have one of these problems, you probably have all of these problems in the church. But then finally, to 2 Thessalonians 3. Another reason we have people exiting churches today, or a mass exodus, a mass exodus it's laziness in their labor. It says in 2 Thessalonians 3.6, now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. I'm, I'm emphasizing these things because I'm about to show you a verse that we all know very well but we often fail to look at the context of this verse. Okay, He's talking about in the assembly, with what's going on in the assembly, withdraw yourselves from every brother that walked disorderly. We didn't behave ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught or for nothing. Hey, if we ate other people's bread in the assembly, it was for a reason. But wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. We were earning our keep around you, around the assembly, in the church, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. Listen, we always use this verse, and it's appropriate to do it, to say, you know, these welfare cases... They should be, you know, we shouldn't be feeding them. If you don't work, you shouldn't eat. That's true, okay? This principle applies to that, if people want to use that. But do you all see when he says that if any should not work, neither should he eat? What he's talking about specifically, he is saying in the church, okay? In the church, in the assembly, if people aren't doing the work, they shouldn't eat. In other words, they shouldn't be reaping the benefits of the church when they're not contributing anything. That is not how things are supposed to work. It says, "...for we hear that there are some which walk disorderly among you, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But ye, brethren..." You that are working, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. You know what he's saying? Hey, that person you have in the church that's just a leech on the church, that person in the church, they don't give, they don't work, they don't do hardly anything. They hardly ever even show up for church. Yet they're just a big problem. They're a big pain in the backside. Always causing problems. Always calling people up and just you know just causing chaos in the church, being disorder. They contribute nothing. The Bible says, "Note that man." It says, "Note them." That way they'll and, you know don't count them as an enemy. All right, they're saved people. They're not our enemy. We don't want to destroy them. But you know what? It's time for us to say, "Hey, can you stop?" Causing so much trouble. Hey, can you start contributing a little bit? Hey, you who's always opening your mouth, saying the church needs to do this and the church ought to buy that. Hey, how about you put something in the offering plate every once in a while? You know, you want to run your mouth, but you don't want to do anything. You know, you want to complain about the church and how things look, but you don't want to sign up to clean. You know what? I don't want to hear about any mess in the church from someone who doesn't clean. All right, now if you clean, you can come complain to me. You can whine a little bit. But if you don't, just shut up. You have no business. You're not contributing there. So just shut up. Don't say anything about it. But yet, many times, they're the ones that want to run their mouth. They're the ones that want to throw a fit. It's one of these bozos. that was my dad's church for a while. Threw a big fit one time because he walked into the bathroom and the, and the garbage can was all heaped up with paper towels. And my dad said, "Did you ever think about going and you just you know, and just pushing it down? It's paper towels. Just get something and push it down. Did you ever think about doing that? Who's supposed to do that? You know, I want somebody. Else, I want somebody else. To do. I don't want to have to do that. You know, how about you just shut your mouth? And until you start doing something, you know, why is it that it's always you complaining? Hey, we haven't seen you in church since the last business meeting. And then they, what do they do? They show up, they run their mouth." They, cause, they make a big stink and they don't contribute anything. They've not done any work. Oh you want to complain about the sowing, how many souls got saved? Oh why don't we get more than that? Well why weren't you out soulwing? You know what? You come talk to me after you've actually been contributing. But yet, when the Bible says, those that do not work, neither should they eat, what he's saying there is people in the church who are not contributing, they should not be partaker of the benefits that are going on there. And you know what you need to do? You need to encourage these people that with quietness, you'll work. Because you know what? Here's the way it is. People who do work, they never run their mouth. The people who are cleaning, they don't run their mouth. The people who are giving, they don't complain about the finances. It's just the way it is. It's the people who do nothing that run their mouth the most. It's the people who do nothing in the church that want to call me up the most and that ask for the most stuff. It's just it's the way it is, and you know what? Sometimes we've just got to learn to tell these people, go jump in a lake. Maybe not like that. They're not the enemy. We're going to admonish them as a brother, but you we know we're going to admonish them and say, hey, listen. You know, the, we don't have you know Obamacare here and Obama phones and Obama money, and you know this, this isn't a place where you just come and we just give stuff. Alright, you know what? Hey, we're an assembly of believers and we're working together. We're fellow laborers. And you know what? You're dead weight. It's time you start contributing. We, we tell that stuff to our kids, don't we? I hope you do. You can tell your kids that stuff. Hey, it's time for you to contribute. Hey, you're growing up? Hey, it's one thing when a person just starts coming. If you get a new convert, it might take them a while. Let's be patient. When we have somebody in the church been here for five or six years... And all they still want to do is run their mouth and they never want to help. They never want to contribute anything. That's when we've got to say, all right, hey, it's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to get out of the diapers. We're tired of changing your diapers. It's time for you to get potty trained. It's time for you to do something yourself. It's time for you to contribute to the cause. And we don't do this because we hate them. We do it because we love them. We care about them. And, but people are lazy. People are looking for a place where they can come and be comfortable. They want to come. They want to be entertained. They want to be made to feel good. And they find fulfillment in being being able to put a check mark on, all right, I'm religious. When the census calls them, yeah, I'm religious. I go to church. I wonder how many people in that 60% that are still going to church are just dead weight in the church. That aren't contributing a thing. You know, That's something I ought to ask. All right, fine, you go to church. What do you do? You know, I'm the I'm the church troublemaker. It's my ministry in the church to find out everything to find everything that the pastor needs to fix, and to help every church member with every fault that's in their life to make sure I reveal it to them. Their job is like the Holy Spirit of the you know they want to be the Holy Spirit of the church is what they want. I don't like those people. Nobody does. But, you know, they, these are the people. They also they're the ones that hate anybody criticizing anyone's religion. Well, why don't we want because they know they're doing a sorry performance themselves. They come into church, they don't want the pastor preaching hard against anything, against anybody else. Okay? They're coming because they want to feel good. And it it helps you feel good if you just think everybody's good. But if preachers get up and saying some people are bad, you fit those categories. Now all of a sudden you get convicted and you feel like you need to do something about it. But we can we can, we can, if we're not careful, we can have a church full of welfare cases. When we started the church, like the first several weeks, you know, we just, just to be warm and hospitable, not, you know, we just, we had like different gifts and giveaways and things we did, and we had certain people that came, and it was very clear, very fast, they were here for the giveaways. And when the giveaways stopped, guess what? They stopped coming. And, and, we, and here's what was funny, you know, you, you learn how to spot these when you're in the ministry for a while. And we knew, we knew we saw their faces the first week they came. And there was no giveaways, you know, and sure enough, well, we didn't give anything this week. They're not bad, you know. What we can't afford just to be giving stuff away all the time. All right, now if you want us doing giveaways all the time, you know what? Go buy some stuff for us to give away. We'll give it away. We'll give out twenty dollar bills if you provide them. But until then, you know what? Just keep your mouth shut, because too large a welfare population will always destroy a society. I think that's one of the problems we have in this area. I think there's way too many welfare cases. For a town this size, we've got a lot of welfare cases around here. A lot of people that aren't working. And that aren't contributing anything to society. And that's bad. But the final thing, real quick, that ends up destroying churches is mourning over the tares. Look at First John chapter 2, verse 19. And I understand this is talking about a specific group here, but the principle applies. It says, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, but they went out, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. See, churches, they've got this attitude that, you know, it's all about the numbers. It's all about how many people we can build, how big of a kingdom we can have. And what ends up happening, a lot of times, if you preach the truth, if you start doing the right thing, you start losing people. You have church splits. And here's what happens in many cases. The whole church starts mourning for Judas. You know what? You can't do that. The Bible says the reason that they went out from us is because they were not of us. Okay? Do we really want infiltrators staying here? If we find out Brother Lonnie is just doing a long con, he's been coming here for seven years, just to con us all, all right? that would be pretty good. That's, that's a lot of effort. All right? I don't think that's the case. But if we find that out, that he was an infiltrator the whole time, Just looking for an opportunity. And we he was just a total dirtbag. I mean, I love the man. I would be devastated if that turned out to be the case and he was gone. But at the same time, if it turns out he is in fact a dirtbag, do we really want him staying around here? Obviously we don't. And so in many churches, it's like, oh man, we're losing these people. Well, good. If they're not of us, if they're not even saved, if they're infiltrators, if they're perverts, if they're heretics, we don't want them here. And so we've got to figure out what we can do to stop losing these people. No, actually, we need to find out how to weed them out faster before they infect other people. That's what the Bible teaches. Don't mourn for Judas. Don't neglect the sheep to go chasing after the goats. Okay? Oh, if a man have 100 sheep, you know, and one of them goes straight, he does he not leave the 99? Yeah, 100 sheep. But if we got a goat in the congregation, we're not going to go chasing after the goat. You know, we're going to let them go. Don't take the sheep's bread and feed it to the dogs. And that's what's happening today. In many churches, pastors are wasting all their time and they're just all devastated. Oh, we lost so and so. And instead of just saying, good, you know, obviously they were a problem. Obviously they were dead weight. They weren't the type of people that were supposed to be in church. They would not, you know, they were phony. They weren't even saved. It's like you're not even allowed to say that in most churches today. In most Baptist churches today, you're not allowed to say anyone's not saved, especially if they call themselves a Baptist. That's not biblical at all. And, I've, and, I'm, and I'm telling you, but churches are. Be, they're, They're seeing these people leave. What do we got to do to keep them in? They're focus grouping. What do we got to do to keep them in? What do we got to do to keep the goats in? What do we got to do to keep the Judases in? Well, there's ways to do that, but you know what? It's going to end up destroying your church. Because you know what's going to happen? You bring in enough goats, the sheep are going to say, you know what, I'm out of here. And guess what? When the sheep leave, you know what those goats are going to do? Those goats are there the infiltrators are there to prey on good people. They're going to go to the next place where there's good people. If we have there, there's no there's no need for a church full of goats. Okay? The devil sows the tares among the wheat. And if we're not careful, we'll lose the wheat in the church, and then the tares are going to go too. And then we have pastors they're just left with nothing in their church. They've got nothing. And then they sit around, they scratch their heads, wondering, why is everybody leaving? I'll tell you why everybody's leaving. You got away from God's plan. You turned your church into a social club. It became all about the money. You got away from the things of God. You allowed leaven in your doctrine. You allowed leaven in the congregation. And now we've got huge problems. And you know we we got to make sure, the church here, we're only seven years old. We've got to make sure we are vigilant. And we avoid these things. So... With that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for uh, the warnings that you've given us. And I pray you'll help us to protect ourselves from these things. That we'll be uh, vigilant and we'll follow your word. And uh, we'll, I, I pray you'll help us to uh, just be successful as a church. And we just thank you uh, for your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.